Amen. So another warm word of welcome to those who may be visiting with us today. We are so grateful that you have joined us for worship. You need to know that we are picking up on a conversation that we've been having for the last six weeks as a community of faith around our new vision statement that our session, that is our board, has adopted. That vision statement is trusting that all belong to God living like we belong to one another. You also need to know that uh, the month of October is commit season here in the life of this community of faith. I think of a commit season as sort of being our pep rally for the church. It's the time when we celebrate all that God has done in our midst, all that God is doing in our midst, and it's a season for us to commit to the future in faith. And so uh, for the month of October, for this season of commit, we've been examining, wrestling with the second part of this vision statement, living like we belong to one another. But what does it mean to live like we belong to one another if um, the other person that we're called to live like we belong to is someone that we just adamantly disagree with? Someone that we may, uh, in this particular season, vote differently than. Mm. That was like the biggest Presbyterian amen in the history of this church. Did you hear it? How do we live like we belong to one another? What does the Bible have to, to tell us about how we're supposed to live in divided times? Here is some good news for all of us this day. The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote a lot of letters. It makes up two-thirds of our New Testament. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote to some divided churches and divided times. And so we're going to turn um, to Paul's letter to the Galatians this morning. We're going to pick up in the third chapter because I think Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, has a gift for us as the church and a gift for us as a people. So listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us this day. You are all God's children through faith in Christ Jesus. All of you who were baptized into Christ have Clothe yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. Nor is there male or female. For you are all one in Christ. Now, if you belong to Christ, then indeed you are Abraham's descendants, heirs, according to promise. Friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Remind us, O oh God, that you hover here. You hover in this very sanctuary, just as you hovered over the waters of creation. So we ask this day that you would create a fresh and anew this very day, that you would reach across the ages and breathe new life into these ancient words, that they might be your word to us here and now. And that you might breathe new life, O oh God, into the words of my mouth, and into the meditations of all of our hearts that all, 
would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Divided. Divided. That's the only word for it. Divided around who's included in God's covenant and who's not. Divided on who has the power to make decisions. Divided on politics and religion. Divided on women's rights. Divided between the rich and the poor. News outlets on both sides. Reporting that the divisions are reaching a tipping point, nearing a crisis. The people of Galatia were becoming more and more entrenched on their respective sides. Facebook statuses were circulating daily in Galatia. If you don't know what a social media status is, just think a letter to the editor. Social media statuses were circulating daily in Galatia, shouting down the other side, drawing lines in the sand. Facebook statuses like these. It's clear you have to adhere to the law of Moses to be included in the covenant. You have to adhere to the law of Moses to be included in the covenant and in the community of Jesus. Read the Torah. It's right there. You know, we have to get back to the word in this country. The word that is clearly stated in our holy book. If you don't agree with this status, no need in commenting. Nobody got any time for that. Hashtag back to the future. Hashtag blessed. You know, the shouting was equally, equally as loud from the other side. I mean, shouting and Facebook statuses like this one. Can I be a good Christ follower without having to adhere to every law? What year is this? 400 BCE? Seriously, all these people asking us to go back in time. You want us to ignore all the progress that we've made? If you don't agree with this status, don't worry, I'll unfriend you by the morning. <laughs> Hashtag can't go back to go forward. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag love beyond the ritual. This is the climate into which the Apostle Paul is writing his letter to the Galatians. And let's be clear about something. Uh, the Apostle Paul is not very happy. In fact, the Apostle Paul is fired up. And he uses some language that I'm not allowed to use in the pulpit when we broadcast on the radio. And if you don't believe me, just go back and read the first chapter of Galatians. Paul's fired up. He's not happy because Paul began his ministry in towns like Galatia. In these tiny little towns, he cut his teeth in Galatia, in Gun Barrel City, in Maybank. That's where he preached his first sermons. Sermons 
that told of this expansive grace because the Apostle Paul knew what it meant to live a life entrenched on one side of the line. Paul knew what it meant to live a rigid and legalistic life. He was a man who wanted to persecute Christians because he thought their theology was too dangerous. Paul thought the Christian theology was too far outside the understanding of God, but then something happens to Paul. This rigid, legalistic person of faith is encountered by the risen Christ one day. That holy encounter was followed by the hospitality of the Christian community towards Paul. It was a transformation that Paul didn't achieve on his own. It was not because of his own righteousness. Paul's encounter with Christ that day was a moment of pure grace. And so we can understand that this is the reason that Paul's first sermons in towns like Galatia was a message rooted in grace. God's grace that reaches out to us, to him, and to everyone who doesn't deserve it. Paul has been transformed. And so this this message in towns like Galatia that he is preaching and teaching and telling people that the dividing lines are not the way to live, that there's unity in Christ, that message is being drowned out now by uh, Christian missionaries who have come in behind Paul and they're sowing seeds of doubt. These Christian missionaries, uh, uh, scholars tell us, they're known as the Judaizers. They come in and they say, you know, uh, that expansive understanding of God's love and God's grace is too expansive. We've got to have some rules. In order to be a Christian, you first have to be Jewish and you have to have your children circumcised. And then you can be a Christian. If you don't do that, then you're not included in Abraham's covenant. Their teaching is dividing the early church. It's dividing everything that Paul has worked for. The dividing lines are being redrawn. Jew and Greek, male and female, slave and free. And the people in Galatia have put themselves into factions. And they are so entrenched in their factions, they can no longer see their way out. So Paul pens this letter to the Galatians. And he says repeatedly to the Galatians, there is a different way to live. There is unity in Christ. There is a different way to live beyond the lines that you have drawn, beyond the binary factions that you have created. Jew, Greek, male, female, slave, free. Paul says that you are no longer entirely defined by those lines. For you're all one in Christ. It seems to me, the more I've been wrestling with this passage this week, that Paul is offering the people of Galatia and us this morning a different way to live and to be. It's what uh, Richard Rohr, um, the, the Jesuit priest, has come to call the third way. Richard Rohr says, um, God came to us as the Trinity, 
the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Creator, Christ, and Holy Ghost. God came to us as three in one because God in God's infinite wisdom must have known that if God would have come to us as merely God or Jesus in the binary, we would merely align with either God or Jesus, put our lines in the sand and quarrel with one another. But God in God's infinite wisdom came to us in the Trinity so that the Holy Spirit would always be alive and at work providing us a way beyond the binary, creating a path for us that we could never arrive at on our own, a way of forgiveness and reconciliation and mutuality that we would never arrive at if we stayed entrenched in our camps. I think the Apostle Paul is writing to the Galatians and saying that you are divided in every way possible, but I want to remind you that there is a third way to live. You have forgotten that you belong to one another. You have forgotten that there's unity in Christ. You don't have to choose a side. There are no binary factions. There's only one community in the spirit created by God and bound together in the grace of Jesus Christ. So what does that look like uh, for us? In 2018, beyond Paul's ancient words to the Galatians, my uh, freshman college roommate, my college roommate freshman year, his name was uh, Cersei Allen Wilcoxon III. Cersei was from New Jersey. I'm kidding, with a name like Cersei, he was not from New Jersey. Cersei Allen Wilcoxon III was from Alabama. And in the infinite wisdom of his family, they knew that they had better give Cersei a nickname before they turned him out to the world and let the world determine what his nickname would be. (laughs) Cersei's nickname was Buzz, B-U-Z, Buzz Wilcoxon. And Buzz knew the day that we enrolled at Presbyterian College that he was going to be a Presbyterian minister. Let's just say that my journey towards the ministry was a little longer than Buzz's. Buzz, uh, since the day I knew him, first met him, was one of the greatest theologians and pastors and, yes, even preachers that I had ever encountered. He was really like a, a chaplain for me as my roommate. Buzz now lives in Mobile, Alabama, where he grew up, and he serves at the Spring Hill Presbyterian Church. It's the largest church in his home presbytery and he uh, shared with me a story a miracle that happened at Spring Hill Presbyterian Church in the early 1990s I think it's an example of the third way in the early 1990s Spring Hill Presbyterian Church invited a man Tom Tarrant who was then the president and the executive director of the C.S. Lewis Institute in Washington, D.C., think theological think tank. They invited Tom Tarrant to come to Spring Hill Presbyterian Church and to speak on a Thursday night in their fellowship hall. They put up flyers throughout all of Mobile. They were expecting a a packed house. They wanted to hear from Tom about his work in D.C. with the C.S. Lewis Society, but they also wanted to hear about Tom's journey of faith. You see, Tom had not always identified as a Christian. 
In fact, uh, Tom was still known in Mobile, Alabama for the behavior he had when he was in high school. Behavior that was not nice to the Jewish community. In fact, uh, one day, uh, Tom was walking down the hall and he bumped into one of the Jewish kids at his school and he shoved him against the locker. He grabbed him by the throat and he lifted him off the ground and he said some really hateful and mean things to him. I wish I could tell you that Tom's behavior stopped at physical altercations in the hallway of his high school. Tom became militant. He started learning how to make bombs and he would try to crawl under uh, the crawl spaces of Jewish families' homes and try to plant bombs. In fact, right after high school, Tom Tarrant was arrested in the state of Mississippi for trying to plant a bomb. So on that Thursday night, you can imagine when the community gathered, there was some tension in that room. What kind of story was Tom Tarrant going to come and tell the Spring Hill Presbyterian Church? In the fellowship hall that Thursday evening, Tom shared about his life in Mobile as a teenager. He told of the story when he was in prison as a young man in Mississippi. He told the story about how someone left the Bible in a cell and he began reading the pages of the Bible and he began to see the world in a different way through the lens of the gospel. No longer through the lens of us versus them, Jewish folks versus me, in versus out. He began to see the world in a different way. It caused him to read everything by C.S. Lewis that had ever been written. His life was changed. He began to see that there was a different way to live in the world, a way that he could only see through Christ. The room was mesmerized. You could hear a pin drop. Tom talked for an hour. Talked about his past and his faith, and he invited the room at the very end for questions. There was a line, 10 people deep, at that microphone. They had questions for Tom Tarrant. They wanted to know how one could actually come to believe this way. What had actually changed in his heart? They were three, four questions in when a man got to the microphone and said, Hey, uh, remember that kid that you picked up in high school by the throat and, and, and held him up against the lockers? And Tom said, Unfortunately, I do. I've been thinking about that guy. Every day of my life since then. The person at the microphone said, hey, uh, do, you do you happen to remember what that guy's name was? Tom Tarrant said, unfortunately, I don't. I don't. It's a long time ago. That was 30 years ago. The guy at the microphone said, his name was uh, Stan Chasson. And I know that because I'm him. I'm the person that you picked up by the throat 30 years ago and held up against the locker, Tom. And I got to tell you, I'm a little unnerved that, uh, that, that, that flyers were put up all over Mobile announcing that you were going to come and speak. I mean, what do you have to say to our city, Tom? I came tonight because I wanted to know if this was just some publicity stunt. I wanted to know, Tom, if this, if this was just some way for you to raise some money for that think tank you have in D.C. 
I wanted to know what had changed in your life, Tom, because I knew I would show up here tonight and all of your words would ring hollow for me because I've been carrying the pain of what you've done to me and done to my community for 30 years. There was some tension in the room that night. When Stan said, Tom, but your words have struck a chord with me. I've listened to every word that you've had to say tonight, and your words aren't hollow. So my question is this, Tom. Um, Last week was Yom Kippur in my tradition. I'm still a practicing Jewish man. That's the high holy day, Tom, in my tradition, when we make amends with those that We've wronged. My question for you tonight in this fellowship hall of Spring Hill Presbyterian Church is this. Tom, will you forgive me for the hatred that I've been carrying around of you for the last 30 years? Tom, will you forgive me for hating you? Tom said, you're asking me to forgive you? Yeah. Yes, absolutely, I forgive you. But Stan, the, the, the bigger question is, man, what I did to you was real. It was, it was wrong. And I, 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 I hurt people in Mississippi and Alabama. I need to know from you, Stan, will you forgive me, not only for what I did to your community, but what I did to you personally? Tom could barely speak. He's fighting off the tears and Everyone at Spring Hill watched these two men put their microphones down and walk to the middle of that fellowship hall and embrace. A different way of living and being in this world. The third way. Two men that had every right to hold on to the pain of the past. And the Holy Spirit, she swept right into a fellowship hall in a Presbyterian church. And created a path towards forgiveness and reconciliation. You know, people in uh, Spring Hill and Mobile, Alabama still talk about that night. They call it the miracle at Spring Hill. Friends, let me be abundantly clear. The third way is not... The third way is not merely about bringing somebody to your side of the argument. The third way is not merely just you jumping ship to theirs. Oh no, the third way is something so much more powerful. It's about finding a common mutuality, a third way that we could never arrive at on our own. It's about being led by the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our world. Stan and Tom, two paths that found common ground in vulnerability and in forgiveness. An entirely different way to live. So my dear friends, the binaries of this world are not the only way to live. There's a different way to live Beyond wrong versus right, us versus them, right 
verse left, we can find our way back to one another through Christ. Because the good news of the gospel is this. We are much more than the labels we place on ourselves and the labels we place on others. We are more than where our children go to school. We are more than where we happen to work. We are more than who we love. We are more than who, who we vote for. We are much more than what we happen to believe about a particular doctrine of theology. And our lives and our relationships are deeper than those dividing lines. It's a different way to live. A third way. A third way that we come to know fully through Christ and the church. A way that teaches us that people are more valuable than their opinions. That there is more to human connection than someone's political stance. And a way that says that we can actually disagree with one another. We can actually disagree with one another on issues of substance. And yet still belong to one another. Friends, in this commit season, may we continue to be a community of faith that seeks to live the third way. A community of faith that seeks to recognize that we belong to one another. A community of faith that seeks to live like we all belong to God. May it be so. Amen.